Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guests are Colette Laxton and Mark Curry, the co-founders of The Inky List. Welcome, guys. Hi. So for those out there who may not know The Inky List and know the kind of propositions you guys brought to market, you know, in concept three years ago when you first met, tell us a little bit about what you were thinking when you were incubating this brand. So when we were incubating the Inky List, we were actually on a flight back from Toronto, um, probably 22 months ago, going, how do we want to get into skincare? There is so much demand for skincare, but there's equally in the rise of digital and so much information being out there, there's so much misinformation and confusion. And we wanted to stand apart from that and help people understand what ingredients were and what is right for their skin. How did you guys meet and what was your backgrounds prior to this venture? So we both worked at Boots in the UK, um, which is a health and beauty pharmacy chain. Um, So Mark was in in a buying role and I was in uh, brand marketing, which is quite a nice kind of mix. of We've got a good good, uh, sound footing on retail, on brand, on product and on buying. Um, And Mark was a science teacher previously. Um, So in terms of the formulation side. So we we were quite a good uh, mix of um, talent, if you will. Um, We didn't actually know each other at Boots. Um, We only met in Costa. (laughs) and said hi Um, but it was it was years later that Mark contacted me on LinkedIn which was three years ago yesterday so when you're thinking about what you were doing at Boots and obviously what you were seeing in the market what were you seeing at the time what were you seeing from the demand of indie brands from you know the rise of mastige and premium and prestige what was happening um so the reason why I left Boots in the first place and failed at a startup before this one. What was that startup? Um, it was uh, delivering, um, same premise really, but it was in a well-being space. So it was trying to do um, intimate care, uh, which was probably ahead of its time, but should have been done by a male for a start. <laughs> um, and lots of a thousand and one different balls ups and failures that have helped this this business kind of a bit more. But um, the reason why I left was you saw big companies, too slow, not listening, in their own track, doing what they've always done, as in beauty, one thing in beauty for the many. Then you had smaller companies that had the, really the right idea, but either the wrong talent, budget, or just capability to execute something that really could have been quite special. So I think where we're interested is using our nous and understanding of both ends of the spectrum mm. to be in the middle and be really listening to the consumer and we we started this whole business even before the inculist existed around fast beauty now that's not anything to do with fast fashion this is not about throwaway beauty this is about um, reacting quickly to consumers and not just creating new stuff for them but actually reacting to them and um, listening to them. I yeah. think I think there's a really big thing with legacy brands that they think they know best and they think they know all the answers. And you can see consumers starting to rebel against that, saying, do you know what? I don't believe you. I don't trust you. Uh, and also what you're giving me is not what I want. Um, so we're in a very unique space where we can listen to our consumers, listen to what they want, what they don't want, listen to their feedback on what products they want and get them to market in a really fast time so we can get products to market in 18 weeks um so we can be having live conversations dms with our with our customers they're going you know we really want a salicylic acid cleanser and we're going okay tell us what you'd want 
from that cleanser. What do you like about a cleanser? What do you not like on, about that cleanser? Work with them on it and then get it to them 18 weeks later. So as a sidebar, Banky List is part of B for Beauty, which is an umbrella company or a beauty brand incubator. And the idea was, you know, kind of creating these different four or five different brands and seeing which one hit. So tell us a little bit about that concept and why, you know, Banky List was the one that hit. The the first one we had, which was actually just a slow a slow grower, uh, the premise was right, some of the execution was wrong, which is often the thing that's wrong. And ultimately, you know, most new things die, um, and only a very very small percentages remain. Um, so I think um, our body care business, the the idea was good, some of the execution was good. Um, we started to get traction, but it was just too slow. Um, and we only ever had four people in the business up until the incubus started to, to come to life. So, so you have to really make choices about what you do and you don't do. We had one brand um, that was an online only, really small two skew brand, and then we had the world's worst brand, but the world's good idea, one of the one of the better <laughs> ideas. But in everything that we execute was horrific. So we had to kind of mothball that quickly and just park it. I think with the Inky List, it was all of our learnings that we took of what worked, what didn't work, and actually took all of those earnings and said, right, if we were to do a skincare brand, we were so clear on the reason why we started the brand, that executionally, we took all of those learnings from our previous brands, and then it sparked. And as a business, we, we don't just say fast for time. We say, first ask why. Why are you doing something? Why, why, why? If you're doing something that isn't chiming with the reason why the whole brand exists, you're probably wasting your time anyway. Always start at yes, because as a smaller brand, you certainly need to be different to everyone else. And we think we get to different places because we genuinely start at yes and work back from there. But then keeping it simple and doing it with a twist just to stay fresh, stay relevant um, is kind of the mantra of which how we kind of started that multi-branded model. But when Inky started to be mapped out, we were excited from the start. I think um, we started work on it on April the 4th, 2018. Um, I think in May 2018, uh, we brought it to um, to a board and everyone was like excited. And then in September the 1st, 2018, we actually launched it and sold out in four weeks. So I think there was always a something, you know, when there's a little bit of stardust on something, there's a general feeling of excitement. I think it's always had that because it was the reason why the, we were bringing it to market was true, real and relevant in terms of demystifying skincare and offering simple to understand easy to use propositions and um, it was at a time where ingredients were just on the cusp of starting to really blow up to to normal consumers when i say normal consumers i mean non-beauty junkies that know every ins and outs about it um and, and i just think we were in the it, we got ourselves into the right space mm. at the right time to really kind of make a difference and cut through when you talk about the indie landscape and where we are right now you know a brand can launch I mean, we're seeing them all the time on Instagram or, you know, D2C or even on TikTok these days. So tell me a little bit about what the landscape was like in the UK, because, you know, in the US, they we're almost saturated to a point. In the UK, I don't hear about that quite as much. We're still saturated. <laughs> Definitely still saturated. Um, I think it's about cutting through. Um, we were very, very lucky that the kind of week we launched, in fact, it was the first day we launched, Cult Beauty, which is an amazing uh, digital retailer uh, in the UK, contacted us and said, we need you. 
which was crazy because there are so many brands out there. I think the rise of the DTC and Instagram brand, you know, everybody's a brand now. You can buy followers so everybody can have a following. Um, cutting through and, and, and become an enduring brand is, is really hard in the UK as well as the US. And um, we were very lucky that the concept just seemed to work because we had incredible press coverage. We had incredible retail traction and ultimately incredible consumer traction because cult beauty and, and, and retailers, you know, as, as such, if it doesn't work in the first four weeks, they're not interested because they take a lot of risks on a lot of niche and indie brands. And, you know, some of them look great, feel great, should work and they don't. Um, so we, we were very lucky that we were able to cut through. I would say. Will you talk about your approach to retail? Because, you know, so many of these indie brands, like you just mentioned, are launching on social, on D2C. You know, I know you're revamping your e-commerce site, which we'll be talking about in a second. But, you know, the digital experience for the Inky List isn't so seamless today. So how were you connecting with your customers? How were you kind of cutting through the clutter, being transparent when a retailer was your middleman? Do you know what's so interesting for us? Because we started with a very, very clear reason to exist, which is better information drives better decisions. We want to be the brand that gives the consumer the right information to help them. What was quite interesting for us is because we are the world's worst e-commerce brand, we were able to be so authentic and true to people when we were having conversations with them on social. We weren't trying to sell. So a lot of brands are, you know, this is an amazing product, buy now. Well, we had no ability to buy now. So actually, the conversations we were having with our kind of customers and our fans were very real. They were all about giving them information and not trying to sell to them. And that really, for us, is what's been our USP. And that one-on-one -on -one conversation that we're having people has become the absolute magic of our brand to the point where we've decided we are the worst business people in the world, by the way. Remember that? We're going to launch a service, which is called um, Asking Key. Um, we're going to resource up, so we're going to have up to 10 people 24-7, 365 days a year on multiple platforms for you to chat about skincare. And you guys were doing this yourselves previously. We were doing it ourselves. Uh, we've got a very young team. But do you know what we felt? It's that one-on-one -on -one communication was the difference and why people came back to us. And we didn't necessarily say buy our product. We were also recommending other brands' products. For us, if we can be that support and help to empower you to get better skin, we've done our job. So how are you guys going to play that back when you do relaunch e-commerce and when you do launch this Ask Inky platform? You know, so many other sites out there, they're connected. It's like they're only suggesting their own products. They're only texting you suggestions from their brand. How do you kind of keep that authenticity and, and you know, that clear reason for being when you are shilling? It's a very, very good question. Um, so the we're not just going to be a, oh, you can buy what you could buy wherever on our site. Um, it's two-staged. One, we're going to be suggesting it from an ingredient perspective. We are not the only ingredient brand in the world. Guess what? We're not the only beauty brand in the world. And there isn't a single category, fashion, home, you name it, where everyone buys everything from one place. People pick and curate their own personal brand through multiple things and actually from multiple things what they enjoy at the time. So we always talk to the ingredients because it's ingredients that matter. And that's the reason why our brand exists. It's the ingredient. It's in. It's the ingredients in the juice that have the effect on your skin. And with that, because we're talking to ingredients and we're talking about your skin, whether you're buying it from us, whether you're buying it from drunk, whether you're buying it from 
name your beauty brand indie or non-indie, you can actually talk and look for ingredients because what we should have said is the inky list is actually the phonetic name of what inside the industry is that really complicated list of all the chemicals that are in that product. Now, the reason why that's there is great. It's trying to make sure that no matter where you are on the planet, you know what's in that product, where actually no one knows what the hell that is anyway. So we are here to help people understand the ingredients and understand how ingredients personally affect your skin. Whether people choose to buy us, whether that's on our own platform or whether that's on anyone's platform or do you remember them thing called shops um (laughs) that's up to them and it's their choice because the consumer's never been more powerful than they are today they have the ultimate control of what information they take or not and what brands survive or not because if you're not listening if you're not giving transparent accurate advice you're not going to be around for too long anyway we could talk about that dotted line because obviously you were having these communications on social, you were talking to your customers, but there was no dotted line to say like, hey, was this, you know, did this affect conversion? Was this affecting, you know, engagement on social? So how were people finding out about you in the UK beyond retailers? And then let's just talk about the US where things are even more crowded. Yeah, so um, good question on KPIs with, again, (laughs) probably, you know, the worst brand when it comes to KPIs. But um, I think we are super proud that our brand is one of the highest engagement beauty brands. What is that engagement? Uh, Between 4 and 5%, which is pretty amazing. And I've had CEOs of other brands come and gone, I know you guys are small, but amazing engagement and I and I'm really proud of that and I think you know we've never ever tried to fake uh following you know try to grow it with very organic and getting people that follow the brand and engage with the brand because they want to be part of it it's not the most aesthetically pleasing brand you know you don't go on there for your shelfie you know you you come on here to learn and, and, and interact with us so i would say from a kpr perspective engagement has been a huge thing for us where we've not been looking at conversion when we launch our dtc that's the time where we really need to kind of close that gap and, and understand from somebody coming directly to us and having a conversation, what that then does in terms of conversion. Because that's, as a young brand, we've been very um, lucky that we've been able to test and learn a lot. Um, I think from a US perspective, we're completely clueless. Um, you guys blow our mind. You know, UK is such a small island. You can really, you know, you can do, do a piece of activity and you can see that conversion. From a US perspective, it's just huge. Do you think that's a landscape question? Because there isn't, you know the Sephora or the Ulta in the UK that there is here. You know, there's so many more diversified channels, mm-hmm. whether it's Space NK mm-hmm. or Boots or Superdrug. You know, what do you think that is about the UK that you are able to track that awareness to conversion? I think the population is just so much smaller. You know, you, you can hit a lot of people a lot quicker. Um, it's been it's been interesting, actually, because we've, we've gone multi-platform in the UK. We've got different retailers online and offline, which has been great. But do you know what? Being partnered with Sephora in the US has just been our absolute godsend. They are incredible. They are brand builders. And we were very, very lucky. Just two months into the brand, they said, you guys are interesting. Let's partner. And we were completely shell-shocked. We're with them exclusively for a reason. They brand build. They can help the awareness with us, grow us. um, And we're very, very lucky in the US that we're able to, to partner with Sephora. So I wouldn't play it differently in the US. How is that productivity going? (laughs) <laughs> um, it's actually not bad 
Um, no. And no, oh, no I always play it down. So we, we, we I think we sell about because we're a we're a cheap brand in Sephora, so they it blows their mind. Uh, so if you look at us from a volume perspective, we sell one every 32, 34 seconds, usually most weeks. And they're like, oh, that's interesting because usually we sell one product and make $100. So mm. so it's really an, a different play for them. And I think we're helping them as much as they're helping us. Um, we're just about to launch in 150-odd stores with our own space to tell our story because I think what we've told the world to date is – we are the inky list. Here's some great ingredient products for you. I think what we're about to tell the world is um, the reason and our values and what we believe is important and a bit more loudly talking about our purpose rather than secretly doing a great job talking to people on social channels. I think that's that's been our gift and curse to, to, to date because um, whether people buy our products or not is going to be down to how well we've interacted with them over the next few months and ongoing. So productivity, I'm hoping, is just a end result of great engagement and great communication and ultimately spreading knowledge. Because if we can spread knowledge in a real black and white, transparent way, the beautifully naive view of us is that at some point they might come back and either tried something they should be using anyway or try something that they've never even heard of before and is blowing their mind and they're just naturally intrigued. Um, because we obstinately set out to be at both ends of the spectrum. We wanted to encourage people that are just confused about skincare to just try an ingredient and it could be a really common ingredient just try it for the first time so really naive people but equally at the other end of the spectrum we wanted to attract beauty junkies that were curious about the the latest the greatest the most innovative ingredient um and whilst we set out doing that i think we've kind of bumped around trying to get to this point which articulates why we're doing that which is whether you don't know a thing or you know everything and you just want to be piqued by new, the commonality is knowledge. And the belief set that knowledge powers everything to be better. And and that's what we're about to scream to the world about. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I know I hear a lot from indie brands that, you know, when they go into a large retailer in the U.S., whether it's Sephora or Ulta or Target or Walmart, you know, the field support really is the key in getting the trainers and sales managers to know about your brand to then communicate, be your gospel. You know, how are you doing that? So back to our point on asking key. We are doing that online, but we're also doing that personally in store. So huge, huge move for us as a very small brand is we are uh, launching a field sales team in the US. So How in- large is that? Investing. We've just done our first three hires um, in the last two weeks. Um, and we're going to build out as as we need to in terms of the regions. Um, we're very, very excited that we can have that one-on-one personal interaction with consumers in stores, but also work with the Sephora cast to make sure they can be spreading the knowledge as we would. Um, and so far, so good. We've, um, we're doing a, f- a five-day tour with them in New York this week, um, and it's incredible. You know, even Sephora cast members, you know, don't know everything about every brand and every product and 
like Mark said, coming ingredient first means that we can give them a knowledge and it doesn't have to just be about our brand. So valuable knowledge that they're getting on, okay, what is niacinamide? There's, you know, 10 brands that have niacinamide. Actually, if we we can be that really useful tool for them, that's really supportive. And we've actually gone, as well as having our own field sales team, we've actually got our own private Instagram just for Sephora Beauty Advisors, where we can help them build their knowledge on ingredients. What's that investment like? Chunky. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay because we've made mistakes in the past where we've given thousands of dollars to agencies to do it for you and agencies that, I don't know, maybe are recommended by brands and retailers alike and you just think, what? How how are you still alive? Because you do nothing and... You know, it's been it's been basically tipping dollars down the drain. I think what we've learned is having someone close to you who really stands by the values that you have and then can eulogize about it, whether it's directly to clients themselves or to store staff or whoever it is, is really important. So, yes, it's an investment, but I think the investment pays back because you actually believe that it's going to get through and cut through. I think where we've tipped money down the drain in the past is we've taken a recommended route, by the way. Which was? Which was use a an agency to do it for you. Whereas actually we should have just, um, we sh- well, hindsight's a great thing, or right? Or gone smaller. You know, you can start. We tried to do everything and go everywhere with people that weren't engaged on the brand, that were working for multiple brands. And now we've gone, let's do it right. Let's train properly. You know, spending time with Mark and I actually living and breathing the brand to make sure that, that anybody that has that inky list badge on truly believes that knowledge is power. Because unless they believe that, we might as well just be any other skincare brand. Yeah, so six months ago, we had 10 people globally. Um, Three months ago, we had 17 people. Now we've got like 20, well, close to to 30 at the end of this week. So making sure that we are part of that process, that Mm -hmm. the the DNA of the brand um, really can be cut and paste into these guys and grown with them in in a unique way because as you say america is very different from the uk very Mm. different from asia very different from europe but where we're crystal clear is as long as they are spreading knowledge um, and as long as they're trying to be the most personal brand that we could possibly be it's kind of fair game on how they do that um in in a local level and whether that's in Florida through to Oklahoma through to San Francisco you know it does it doesn't matter there'll be there'll be a way to spread that knowledge that that makes sense and investing in people to do that and leaning into that when other brands are leaning away from that feels like the right thing to do Will you talk about that demographic psychographic information like here in the US because as you said the US is very different very state by state city by city where are those stores kind of and where's the penetration been so far only Sephora, which is a good thing to note because mm. um, we started in 150 doors anyway. We're now going to be in all doors from the end of this month, end of February, um, with a selection of our brands and then in 150 with a lot of our products. But Sephora doesn't cover all markets and, and they're going into more markets as well. So we're going to naturally follow them there. Um, JCPenney is an interesting one. Yeah. Tell me about that. So we've just launched into Sephora inside JCPenney, um, which is is a great fit for our brand. Because we absolutely love Sephora and we're so excited to be in there, but the brand ex- exists to be accessible and kind of democratise skincare for all. 
And that doesn't mean just living in a metropolis. And I think Sephora's um, footprint often means that, you know, unless you're in a, a New York or a, a San Fran, you're not going to get access to the brand unless you want to buy online and some people still want to, you know, buy in store. So JCPenney was a really nice way for us to hit slightly different demographics, slightly different audience that wouldn't have access to, to the main Sephora's, which is really great for us because we want that tight distribution with Sephora to make sure that we're driving the brand, but at the same time, we want to be accessible to as many people as possible. So JCPenney was a really nice fit for us to make sure that we're accessible to more people. Are you interested in expanding distribution after this? Not at this point. So again, we are, um, I think we're natural hustlers and we like... <laughs> the startup phase and that's probably why we were so effusive about a multi-branded model because to get something starting is really hard um but i think uh, we've got in our heads we think we, we, we think we can get to a, a good size business by sticking in our current footprint and making sure back to your point on productivity we get that productivity um up a little more to make it make sense for us i think where JC Penny come in is just giving us the ability to be in just more markets and speaking to more people. Because whilst we want to we want to democratize skincare in terms of taking people from not knowing or confused to understanding and therefore doing things differently, one thing we, we rarely talk about is we are always under fifteen dollars. And we do loads of things to make sure all our products are under fifteen dollars. But the point of that is just the the pound notes that you got in your pocket shouldn't stop you doing something good for your skin. Um so making sure that we keep that and keep that as long as possible is probably our our duty to the brand and, and the people that are gonna join us on that journey. I've heard rumors of a customized line as well. What can you tell me? Yeah, so um we bring customized skincare to life in um, stores at the moment. So um, if you come to the Inky Lab, we use it as an experience to educate. So we talk about texture, we talk about your skin, we talk about your goals, your concerns, your what have yous, and then layer ingredients into that so you can walk away with your own customized skincare. I think we will take that a little further, um, and it's a way that we will differentiate our own um, e-commerce platform versus our customers. Our customers have served us well to this point, you know, Cole and Sephora um, across the globe. They've really served us well. And what we don't want to be is fighting them for pound notes or dollars. Um, what we want to do is offer something different that they can't. There's a bit more value add. Um, so we're just scoping that at the moment. Um, is it going to work? Not sure. But it's an, it's an exciting thing for us to test. And again, being a small, agile business means that we can test. Yeah. And I love that. And I want to maintain that, you know, for as long as possible. Back to your point on that seamless journey that the consumer is having. If they're having a one-on-one -on -one direct conversation with them, to then be able to give them a, a personalized product that is customized to their skin would be the ultimate kind of feedback loop, which would be amazing. Do we know it's going to work? No. Is it a good thing to try? Yes. Why not? Why not try and give, give consumers an even better experience and an even better product for their skin. I have to say, you both are very chill about this whole thing. I mean, <laughs> we've had some, we've had some CEOs <laughs> and founders here who are very, very on message. And I just have to ask, you know, when you're talking about the actual numbers, dollars and cents that we're going into this, like, I mean, what, what's the expectation for you guys? Oh, that's a really good question. And massive and petrifying. Yeah, we want to be a hundred million dollar brand. Where are you now? We're on the way. 
That's where I have to be on message. I got told off millions of times before. Just a you know a lower number that you could share. That we are range. we are we are absolutely like shocked at an eighteen month kind of time frame where we've managed to get the brand to and you know being in being global that quickly you know back to your point on productivity you can see you know how many doors you're in if you're a, a, a decent we're from boots we know what productivity looks like and you, know, you can get some really decent numbers um very quickly and you know we've got some hefty budgets and you know big goals for ourselves but i think i think 18 months in we're, we're doing an okay job enabled to you know we're launching our third office in new york so we've got three offices now 30 people in 18 months it's, we, we're, we're, we're getting there you mentioned a second ago, Mark, about the multi-brand kind of customer today. Mm. You know, obviously you are part of an umbrella company. Obviously, you've been doing quite well in skincare. Is there something else up your sleeve? Always. Yeah. That's why I have to sit on my hands for um, just developing stuff. I think um, if, if you take the Inculus, what the Inculus is saying to the world is ingredients impact. And this is why it's relevant to your skin. Well, it's not just relevant to your skin, it's relevant to every single part of your body, inside and out. So there's there's multiple opportunities there that we uh, could look at. Um, we will distill what we should look at, what we don't want to do, because everyone's first question is, so when are you going into colour? Um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't think we could be further away from colour at this point, um, for the right reasons. Why is that? There's no reason why we would walk into that space at the moment because we are a knowledge-based, ingredient-led brand. And until there is a technological reason, probably, to do that, then we wouldn't look at it. Um, could it be on a three-year roadmap? Yes. Um, if we had a three-year roadmap. I was just roadmap. about to say, have you got a three-year roadmap? Because <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, but <laughs> unless there is a reason to do that that makes sense for this brand, we, we wouldn't go there. So what areas are interesting? Uh, every area. Body, very interesting. Hair care, very interesting. Um, well-being, very interesting. I think the the key to it is making sure that people get what the brand is first. Yeah. Because what we don't want to do is confuse people further. Welcome to the Inculus and we make things simple. And do you want something for your hand, your foot, your hair, yes, your face? It's like, whoa, slow down. And I think uh, we're on a a timeline which says, tell, we've, we've told the world about ingredients. Uh, we've told the world what we're trying to do. Now we're going to tell the world explicitly what our purpose and what our values are. And then we can build out from there. Is that on message enough for you? Well done. I, <laughs> I left him for Thanks, one boss. day in London when I was in New York. And he was like, I've had three business ideas. I was like, oh, why do I leave you? <laughs> yeah, there's no stopping you, is there? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, because to, back to your point on how big is this going to go, um, I think we are quite clear when where we add value and where we do not. Um, are we ever going to be a multi-billion dollar con head of a multi-billion dollar conglomerate no that would be an absolute nightmare equally that's why we don't have our own factories because if we were to run a factory it'd be a, a blooming nightmare yeah our, our um operation side of our business is uh something we is kind of catching up with the ideas i would say which is you know like every startup and you know you've got all these fantastic ideas and then in reality it's not always that easy and the big believer of do what you love i think we love um, and the reason why 
the Inky List is such a passion project for us is because it's talking to helping what I would call normal people who really don't really give a shiny what's it about beauty but need to mm. helping them understand why they need to think about ingredients as well as talking to the beauty junkies that buy try and rebuy and shove anything on their face unfortunately but talking to those two extremes is where we where we come alive and I think that just keeps us keeps us our interest peaked it keeps us open to not just new ingredients but new ideas and even how we bring that to life as well there isn't a single product run yet and i have to do the check on this mm. there hasn't been a single product run where we haven't changed something and it might have been just a real spurious dm from someone that says you kind of say this but you've confused me and and we look at it again with fresh eyes and go do you know what you're bloody right we're going to change that so every time we do a new packaging run before we place the order we look at the packaging and say does that still feel relevant does it still make sense like most of our products are recyclable do we tell that on pack no we don't it's a huge thing for customers so why aren't we doing it so it's continually re-looking at what's important to customers where are we making it simple as possible for them and actually if, if we're not let's just continually evolve when you think about what's next in terms of that feedback lo loop and also parts of the world where ingredients really matter, like Asia, what's next? Asia. <laughs> Are you launching there soon? Well, we're there. We're in Southeast Asia. Um, so we're in... Near 15 countries over there. So um, we are there, uh, but we're there in a small way. Um, we are still, whilst 30 people scares the living daylights out of us and all we see is... 30 mortgages that we have to pay um we are mindful of not overstretching we've been in failed startups we've been in tough times in early days and uh, the one thing we hold valuable is our people and making sure we don't overextend the business let alone brands is going to be really important the opportunity in asia specifically china let's lean into that question is huge uh, is our brand position right to do that Yes, uh, but we need to do it in the right way. And you know what? It's so tempting. And I would say to anybody who is starting a brand, you if you've got a brand that starts to hit and resonate, we get incoming retailers every single day. Mm. India is a huge mm. market. Mm. You know, people are coming to us, distributors, retailers. You know, you could go into so many markets so quickly. My biggest piece of advice is don't. It's very exciting and flattering. And, you know, you feel like you can be this amazing big brand. When you're at the minute, we're in 30 countries. So imagine kind of going right on a daily basis. How do I focus and where do I focus? And it's it's big and it's scary. And you can end up scaling a business, as Mark says, too fast by employing too many people. And you, know, you can go into all these markets. And that first order is amazing. Does the second order ever come? Or, you know, is it half the size or a tenth of the size? And then you in China and India, quite big bets. Massive bets. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're ready. And, you know, China and India are like two markets where we're like desperate. We know that the brand could be amazing there. But, you know what, we just need to land our message and really focus on the UK and the US, US specifically in 2020. Um, and then, then explore those other markets and make sure that we do it right, which is really hard because we... Yeah, so the goal, numbers-wise, the goal is to reach 1% of the global population and spread knowledge moments to them. So that's in three years. So that's 76 million knowledge moments or whatever that we need to hit. Because um, if you went out onto the street now and shouted, the inky list, not one person would probably turn around and go, oh, hi, guys. So I think um, 
against all my natural fibers. It's kind of do the things in a really sensible, pragmatic way and do some interesting twists on the side as, as, as we get the bandwidth to do so. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, Colette. It was great having you. Thank you very Thanks much. so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.